621 on a Wednesday morning. Look at that. It's January 10th. I don't know why I'm always astonished at how time marches on. I mean, you know, as Sean Kane, the comedian, used to say, this week it seems like it's one day after another. But yeah, here we are approaching the middle of January and without crapping on winter, I'm just not, I'm not the biggest winter fan. So I'm quite eager for that day that I get the, the high sign that they're, you know, opening things up at uh, Flemington Golf Course and elsewhere and the first signals of spring. Let's talk about the day's big stories with the insight of Preet Banerjee, personal finance commentator, founder of Money Gaps. Good morning, Preet. Good morning, sir. You should move to England. Uh, they, they talk about the snow and it doesn't even accumulate here. Yeah. You know what, though? I mean, I grew up in Montreal, right? And when I moved to Toronto, I thought, oh, it's going to be like New York City. It's going to be maybe zero, <laughs> one degree. And I think we had five of the worst winters ever after I got here. But here we are. Okay, then don't don't move to England then. <laughs> <laughs> Toronto taxpayers could be looking at 10.5% property tax hikes. I sense there's going to be some pitchforks and torches at City Hall. Oh, 100%. And of course, there's two sides to every coin. You know, some people are going to jump on Olivia Chow and say, look, we told you there would be a massive increase in taxes and fees. And I think others should probably acknowledge that this was a problem that was hiding and lurking around for years. And, and there's no one new city budget that is responsible for this. This is the result of COVID and the, you know, the required expenses there, but also you know, maybe previous administrations, they kept taxes just a little bit too low uh, in terms of trying to be more popular. So this was probably always going to happen. The problem is it still stings and it's still going to hurt and people are still going to raise a ruckus over it. I wonder, though, you know, I was offering the thought just a few minutes ago that maybe this is kind of a threat and perhaps we get to the adult conversation now about what we do and do not require of our city. Yeah. And that's also sort of a standard sort of political tactic, which is, you know, show them something that's going to absolutely shock them and then take it back just a little bit to a level that still would have shocked people. But once you set this higher level, they're like, oh, you know what? This was a great compromise. No matter what, it's going to be painful again, because it seems like everything else in life has also been going up sharply. What do you make of this story about a convenience store clerk who is attacked by somebody with a bat, rests the bat away from the guy, and then chases him outside and beats him with the bat? And now the clerk is facing charges. And, uh, you know, I, I can appreciate both sides in all of this. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've been watching Reacher uh, recently, which is a story about basically a vigilante, an oversized vigilante beating people up with seemingly no recourse. And it's, I'm sure a lot of people have fantasized by moments where they'd want to take on someone who is a bad person doing bad things and teach them a lesson. I think we've all done that. The problem is we live in the real world and there are consequences from, you know, taking that too far. There's self-defense and then there's apparently aggravated assault, which I think is the charge that has been laid on the clerk. So, you know, without knowing more of the facts, yeah, I can see both sides of the story because 
if this was like a, a someone who came in with a bat and hit the guy, you know, there's self-defense. And in the heat of the moment, it's hard to know where that line is. So without knowing more of the facts, it's hard to really say, you know, whose side you're on. But I think there's more than a few people who are kind of like, yeah, that guy got what he deserved, again, without knowing more of the, uh, the details. Yeah, I have a feeling it's probably a first offense. And a judge will look at this and say the exact phrase you just used in the heat of the moment. I mean, you have just been beaten with a bat. You get the bat you're probably going to give it back. Yeah, because let's say you take one swing and then he gets the bat back. You know, he's going to say, well, you tried to take me out and now I'm going to do even worse to you. So it's hard to judge in the moment. So we'll see. Also, I think the clerk was 22. So I don't know if that's a mitigating factor. A city councillor here in Toronto wants the city and actually all jurisdictions to look into what could be done about these ongoing demonstrations, these pro-Palestinian demonstrations, but in particular the ones on the overpass over the 401. And, you know, I agree we need to come up with a new strategy. We cannot just continue to tolerate these ongoing, never-ending, disrupting protests, even if you believe in the right of protest. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the challenges is that, you know, if you're protesting on an overpass of a provincial highway, but that overpass is a municipal uh, overpass, then you've got this fight as to, all right, well, whose task is this to handle? Because, you know, on the municipal side, you say, well, you're actually on our bridge, but the distraction and the potential danger is more from the provincial side of things. If you're standing over this overpass, distracting traffic or or what have you. And then at the end of the day, you know, there's nothing really that a municipality and province can do in response to some of these um, I guess, demands from protesters, if anything, it would be the feds that have the ability to act on the world stage. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of finger pointing Cue the Spider-Man meme of three of them pointing at, all right, whose <laughs> job is it to tackle this? That's kind of the situation that we're in. I, I realize you're not uh, availing yourself of it at the moment because you are in England, but I have a, an abiding affection for Toronto's Harbourfront Centre back from before I lived in Toronto because I came here for a summer to do a stage and I ended up spending a lot of time there. So I'm a little distressed that apparently it's uh, kind of on its knees. I mean, they can't operate the outdoor skating rink anymore. whole bunch of the facilities are empty at the moment and it's losing money. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of businesses and tourist destinations could certainly say that COVID caused irreparable damage to their operations or significant damage anyways. But in this case, it seems like the harbor fronts issue started before COVID. So it was bad before and it's only gotten worse since. And, you know, I used to live in that area. And yeah, over time, it just feels like it's not reaching its its potential like it used to it used to be a bit more of a destination a lot more sort of energy there and um i don't know what's going to happen but you know one of the things that always kind of bugged me was that over the last couple of years even pre-covid that harbor front really didn't have a sense of what it was trying to be overall it was, it was kind of like a hodgepodge of different ideas but didn't really end up being that destination that i think it could have been and it'll be interesting because, you know, you you and I started this discussion about uh, what is it that Toronto should and uh, should provide and maybe get out of the business of providing. And maybe the harbor front model is is too old fashioned. Maybe we got to get out of that. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, you look at the distillery district and it's done nothing but grow over yeah. the years. And so it can be done. 
And uh, I'm not sure if you're a cat man, but apparently <laughs> cats can be trained. We're actually trying to track down for the show today a cat trainer because apparently there are like 350 <laughs> certified cat trainers in Canada. Uh, you know what? I know someone who trained their cat to use the toilet, so uh, I don't <laughs> doubt that cats can be trained. But I think that the reason that they let you train them is all part of a greater plot to take uh, take over your household if they haven't already. And uh, gentle parenting. A lot of stuff today is about uh, our relationships with other creatures, including children. But the whole <laughs> what is your impression of what gentle parenting amounts to? I guess it's let the kid do whatever they want. I have no idea, but I'm not a parent. Um, so feel free to ignore my thoughts on this. But I think that it's probably an approach that works for some kids and some parents. And it might be suboptimal for others because I don't think all parents are just one homogenous group. And I certainly don't think kids are even siblings. If you just look at me and my brother, we're totally different. So assuming that any one style is best for all, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It is funny though. You mentioned that you're not a parent, but I always find uh, people who don't have kids are full of opinions about how other people should raise their kids. No, you do you and best of luck. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Preet. Good to have you. Thanks, Sean. Preet Banerjee on The Morning Brief. He's a personal finance commentator. And if you like the sound of a Preet, even from across the pond, as some might say, you can check out his website. It's called Money Gaps. Coming up in the next half hour, it's a White Coat Wednesday. So we're going to talk medicine with Dr. Mitch Shulman. Plus, the aforementioned Mark Mendelson is going to join us. A bunch of police stories to talk about this morning, including how the union's unhappy with management. But what's new in that? Uh, but also, also, this business of a convenience store clerk who ended up beating on somebody who had beaten on him. 